0: That is not just a clever cadence written by me, but a true statement of what we do every day, and why we truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you are looking for something for your Jeep, Ram, Bronco, or Toyota, give us a try. We are here to help. And now, on to another amazing episode of the Modern Jeepers Show.
1: And I asked him for his honest feedback, and I'll never forget his words. He said, it looks like a clown threw up on it.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah.
0: The Modern Jeepers Show. The show about jeeps, jeeping, and jeepers. Hello, Modern Jeepers. Matson from Metal Cloak here. And welcome to episode number 86 of the Modern Jeepers Show. The show about jeeps, jeeping, and jeepers. This week, I catch up with Corey and Jesse as they're getting ready for Trail Hero in Hurricane, Utah. It's Hurricane, apparently, and not Hurricane. And I'm once again stuck back at MetalCloak World headquarters launching the new Adventure Rack Systems brand. Check it out, adventureracksystems.com. Then we are joined by Colin McLemore, founder of Max Custom Tie Downs. Colin shares what it was like growing up in the South Pacific, how riding BMX started the path that led to starting Max at 26, the Max Pinup Girl, why five years selling magazine ads for street Rodder was the best business education, rebranding with the monster energy guy, the black box, risking it all on a hanging Jeep, his first Jeep that was not a Jeep, why his favorite trails are tied to childhood memories and wheeling in Idaho. And of course, we have our tech tip of the week. Since we have the master in the house, we ask the age old question, to cross or not to cross? and Colin shares four reasons why we shouldn't. Finally, Corey shares the keyword of the week for our ongoing podcast giveaway. Rules are in the show notes. As always, we are extremely grateful to our supporters, including Worn Winches, Raceline Wheels, Bestop, Milestar Tires, Rugged Radios, Adventure Rack Systems, and, of course, Metal Cloak. So sit back, relax with the cold one, and enjoy episode number 86 of the Modern Jeepers Show. Hey Modern Jeepers this is another episode of the Modern Jeeper Show with me, Matson from Metal Cloak and Mr. Modern Jeeper Corey Osborne. Hey Mattson. Hey buddy. And of course you got Jesse Rockstar Jeep Girl with you.
2: Yep, I'm here. Hi Mattson.
0: So you like was it last week Corey was fighting off something, and it looks like he gave it to you?
2: That te- no, the Texas dust, you know. I thought I was clear. <laughs> that Texas uh, dust died.
0: You blame it on Texas. Yeah, Texas. It's terrible because you said said something about Texas dust. The first thing that comes to my mind is a few very political statements. And I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying not to do that.
3: Yeah, no politics.
0: Ah, Man, it's
3: so hard right now. (laughs) For all my OU fans. I said, cause Texas sucks for my OU fans.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what are you guys doing? Where are you at?
3: We are actually in at Sand Hollow, outside of Hurricane, Utah for the trail event.
0: Is it hurricane or hurricane?
3: Hurricane.
0: Hurricane. Damn, that
3: was yeah. hurricane.
0: Like, you know. Correct
3: pronunciation is hurricane. It's hurricane. kind of like the little little town around the corner from hurricane is called Laverkin.
0: Laverkin. So <laughs> then you get
3: hurricane. hurricane.
0: Laverkin and hurricane. All right. As it says, it was started by people from the south. We're in hurricane. <laughs> right. So you're in hurricane. What What's going on down there?
3: Uh, Trail hero week. Uh, that's right. actually, the kickoff is actually today, tonight. Um, and yeah, there's people rolling into town. There's a lot of people here. Uh, again, I think people are just anxious to get outside and, and do some wheeling and be warm and avoid, you know, fires and flooding and all of that. So,
0: so that's awesome. And you guys don't have the CTI trailer with you, right? You're just out there to enjoy and, and play around with everybody. Well, we
3: do have the CTI trailer, and uh, there may be an opportunity for me to get a couple of folks on there that are having some issues, but um, no, this, this event's kind of different because my brother happens to be getting married this weekend, so we have to leave early and head back to Colorado on Thursday.
0: Psh, marriage. It's like the season for marriage, right? Like John Slayton, one of our sales guys here, he just got married. Rob Steele, I may have already mentioned this. Rob Steele, uh, uh, what the, our very first employee, like 12 years ago, like his daughter got married uh, just recently. And the guy came in here bawling like two days after the wedding, like still crying about it, right? <laughs> this is the season for a wedding. So what is it with fall weddings?
2: I, yeah, I don't know.
3: That's, uh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, Maybe I just, because it's also a busy birth month, uh, October, because it was so cold in January, and now people need to get married. Maybe.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's going to be interesting. What comes up, like when we have the COVID uh, uh, baby boom? I don't know what they're going to call it, but man, hospitals to mm-hmm. be over the the paternity units. What are the paternity units? Is that what they call them? And the neonatal new units, neonatal units are all going to be overwhelmed with with uh, kids being born. Probably, what's that? Uh, November is that when they should all be popping up? November, December.
3: Yeah, are they going to call those kids COVID
2: babies?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be the incorrect term. I'm sure they'll have something more clever because the people and uh, you know the people that figure these things out uh, out there in Washington D.C. are smarter than I am.
3: Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but what are you doing? Well, you know, just doing the thing I'm doing, which is like sitting here at my desk, like I always do, in front of my four screens, wishing I was actually out there with you guys. You know, one of these days. But, you know, when we're doing it, we're not just sitting around. We're actually playing with stuff. We just did the the launch, actually, last week of our new Adventure Rack Systems, ARS, Adventure Rack Systems. So you guys all know we bought uh, Cargo Master Safari at the beginning of the year, and it was just one of these things that we decided that the KMS, um, Cargo Master Safari KMS, was just really too tied to the original Cargo Master brand. So the intention all along was to, to develop a new brand, and we've done that. We now have Adventure Rack Systems. Um, And that was which if those who were keen observers would have noticed that um, our tagline for KMS for the last several months was Adventure Rack Systems. So it was KMS Adventure Rack Systems. And now Adventure Rack Systems with a whole new logo. uh, The URL is AdventureRackSystems.com. You can still get through it through the old URL. And of course, uh, we still have products there. And it's still a long-term transition. We have a lot of updates to make. Um, and some products are still going to ship with KMS tape on them just because that's how they're sitting on the shelf. But uh, for the most part, that brand, Adventure Rack Systems, is growing forward. And uh, we're almost ready to release the JL rack for that, which that'll be huge for people. A beefy, beefy, beefy two-inch tube rack for the JL. And I'm telling you, the way they did the bracketing in the front you can jump up and down on that thing and it's not going to move. I mean, it's it's going to blow the competition away when it comes to uh, just strength and stability.
3: Well, I know that the, I like I like the ARS uh, approach better. I like Adventure Rack Systems. I think that that is definitely clearer and it is definitely a Metal Cloak brand that it, it, it's underneath. The, the, the cowl, the mounting of this Adventure Rack System, the cowl that we saw that was a prototype Uh, out in California, uh, telling our listeners that thing was a work of art. So, yeah, I I like this. I like this new move. I like the new name. It's going to be good stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're excited. We're excited and a lot of that stuff. And you're going to see some redesigns. You know, we have a lot of great inventory, and there's a lot of stuff on the website at adventureracksystems.com that is on sale because those are great products, but maybe ones that we've decided not to – uh, continue to produce because we'll have new developments happening, right? So we'll have new revs and new, so many of those products just hadn't been updated over the years, but they're at great prices. I mean, literally the prices, uh, on our website for the, uh, the sale items, is pretty much at cost just to get you guys to have a chance to have a great product and for us to clear some inventory out and move along to be able to develop the new stuff and the new ideas that we have for that whole system, which includes developing gladiator stuff. As soon as the jail is done, the gladiator is next and we have some great ideas and some fun ideas for, for tackling that. Um, so it's going to be fun. I mean, it's a, it's just a whole new product line and a whole new challenge for us to, to manage multiple brands, which is that that's really the fun part.
3: Cool. Yeah, no, I like it. I, I think that the overland market is, is definitely that market that we've talked about in the past. It's, it's growing. Um, you know, you're still going to get, I can already hear it now. I'm still going to get the guy going. Hey, you going to make a rack for a CJ? Um, yeah, <laughs> probably, probably not. Not right now.
0: No, no. We get we get those questions on the TJ all the time because Cargo Master Safari used to have um, a, a TJ system, and then they uh, they just discontinued it long before we came up, came along and and uh, took over the brand. So it's a, it'll be something that we, we may do, who knows it's down the road, but the chances are probably not. I mean, the chances are, we've got so much to do with the Gladiator. We have so much to do with the, the JL. We have so much to do with, with other, um, other products that we need to develop that we just got to keep focusing forward and not really spending a lot of time looking in the rearview mirror.
3: Well, as always the case with, with metal cloak, they're not going to do something halfway, which, uh, you know, when it comes to, I guess, these adventure rack systems, um, I know a company that makes some great ways to hold things down, tie things down with. um, And, and, you know, I I happen to think that they might be in the room with us.
0: (laughs) Would that be our guest today?
3: That would be our guest today.
0: (laughs) Hey, Colin from max tie downs. Welcome. I, you know, and that's great. You get to actually sit there with, Corey and Jesse, I've got to go through the headphones and the microphone. I got to, I got to live like vicariously through you guys. But welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Mattson. It's uh, a strange year for sure. Normally, we see each other a few times a year, so we'll have to do the virtual route today.
0: Absolutely, yeah, it's it is kind of weird. It's going to make next year kind of interesting because on the one hand, many of us who have done fine without doing events are going to sit back and go, hmm, maybe we don't need to do events in twenty twenty one. Uh, and then on the other hand, it's going to be, but I miss my friends. Like, you know, Corey gets to go travel and say hi to people. And like I said, I got to sit here in front of this desk, but, but if you guys were really cool, you would have done the video call in and then I could actually see you guys and like wave and, and feel like I'm part of the family. But instead you leave me here in Sacramento. That's why we
3: stay stay on the outskirts of service.
0: <laughs> That's what the excuse is. I like it. Well, maybe just text me a photo, <laughs> and I'll, I'll lean it. I'll lean it up against my screen and feel like I'm. I'm. I'm a part of the club.
2: <laughs> oh, lord.
0: <laughs> so, so, uh, Colin, man, I mean, there's so much to talk about and, and, uh, we've known each other a long time and you've been part of the game for such a long time, but, but let's go back to the beginning. Cause really this is all about learning about you, uh, about the world of jeeping, um, around you and of course about your company, max tie down. So, so how did that thing start? What, tell us the beginning. What's the origin story?
1: Wow. Uh, I got to rewind a couple mental pages to go back that far. Um, I've been doing this game for 26 years now and times it seems like yesterday and other times it seems like 26 years ago. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, I got bitten by the mechanical bug at a, at an early age. I grew up in the South Pacific and we didn't have cars. We had bicycles. So that's where it actually started for me. Grew up racing BMX and later got into some mountain bikes. Um, But as soon as I was, old enough to start thinking about four wheels, I had a passion for cars. And uh, my first vehicle was a 1940 Ford. I still have a 1940 Ford. Um, and lots of different vehicles in between. So the way that the company came about is I was a four broke college student and it seemed a lot more fun to go buy a muscle car project that didn't run and sell it or a street rod project. And since I didn't have any money to work with, most of what I bought didn't run. And the typical storyline was the old farmer would say, Oh, no, you don't just get to take the vehicle. You got to take all the extra junk with it. (laughs) (laughs) Which that necessitated tie down gear. And I just got so frustrated using generic, run of the mill, yellow, 27 foot long garbage from a big box store or a truck stop that while it worked, it was a hassle to use, it wasn't purpose built. Didn't have the right hardware. It was too long and on and on. So that's really what what prompted uh, looking into seeing if I couldn't come up with something that was designed for transporting the vehicle itself. And of course, since then we've we've got many many products added to that. But like most of the stuff in our industry, it all it all was born out of a personal need for something different and better. And when I satisfied that personal need. Uh, it didn't take long for others to say, "Hey, where did you get that?" And that was 26 years ago. How old were you then? Oh gosh, now don't date me. Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> <like> you. You <laughs> was I was 13. I like that. I was 13. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, 24 to be exact. I just celebrated the big 5-0.
0: Hey, welcome um, to the 5-0 club. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: We're all kind of there, or close to it, anyway um that's awesome so 24
0: years old you start playing with the 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 idea and did you you really just form a company or did you just like hey start making these things and doing something else this was just your side hustle
1: um it started as a side hustle but that was pretty short-lived because i i got scooped up by street rotter magazine and shipped off to orange county california and dropped into the automotive publishing world and I can't thank Tim Foss enough for that five-year education at StreetRider that has continued to benefit me daily. Wow! Uh, just in the understanding of how how products come about, how they're covered, how they how they get spread throughout media channels. Of course, it's it's vastly different today than it was back then. But yeah, it, what, what it did you do at StreetRider? Sold advertising space. You remember so you, when print thing?
0: Yeah, we actually can make money doing print ads. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, sold, I sold the space to make money uh, occupying that space, selling That's one awesome. product.
0: Wow. So yeah, that gave you some insight. So I'll tell you that, you know, I'm not going to jump forward just yet, but that explains a lot. That explains a lot. That experience you had over there uh, answers a lot of questions in my head about, uh, about some of the things you've done for publicity. <laughs> but we'll talk about well, that in maybe. a minute. <laughs> maybe.
1: Yeah, well, I, I love creative grassroots marketing. Uh, I've never had a marketing budget to work with, so we always bootstrap it. And that's been a lot of fun coming up with different and creative ways to get our products noticed. And, and, uh, we've had a lot of fun with that over the years in many different marketplaces, uh, well beyond just the off-road segment, which I personally love.
0: Right. Cause you're all over the place. Anything that needs a vehicle to be strapped down to a trailer, that's your market. That's your there, especially for guys that are. Who have that passion for the vehicle? Who have, who want that 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 hot rod or whatever taken care of? Well, I mean, you are there.
1: We try to be.
3: All, all of a sudden, I kind of feel like I'm Matson's bootstrap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never really occurred to me.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, there again, I can, there's a few ways I could go with that. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> So you, so I'm gonna jump back real quick because it, you you said something I had no idea of. You grew up in the South Pacific. So where whereabouts?
1: In the Marshall Islands, halfway between Hawaii and Australia. Was
0: well, that because your 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 dad was in the service or what?
1: Uh, he was non-military, but government contractor in the missile range business.
0: Wow, wow, yeah. very cool. Now. That also lends itself to the most prominent logo or thing that I see on on Max Tie Downs, which is the the pinup girl, which yeah, like, to me that like completely connects to South Pacific and uh, you know the World War II pinup girl, and this, that, that just that like it, mentally for me it all starts connecting.
1: I never actually had that connection myself, but uh, I can see that <laughs> now. That
0: <laughs> fantastic. Well, now I've, I've handled your subconscious for you. So, Mattson's therapy (laughs) session is over. (laughs) Dr. Mattson. So, uh, okay, so now jumping back, because you grew up in the South Pacific. um, And how old were you when you actually came to the States?
1: Well, I lived out there twice. So I returned to the States permanently at the age of 15. Okay.
0: Hmm. Wow. And then 15, you go and you build. And that 1944 you have now, is that the same one?
1: Uh, no, it happens to be a different one, but a dear friend of mine owns my original 40 Ford, which is a, a pickup. And when my twin boys were born 10 years ago, I quickly realized the family of four doesn't fit very well in the cab of a 40 pickup. So I opted for a 42 door sedan, but nice. I'll probably have a 40 Ford in my life. They're a iconic car and something that's uh pretty special to me.
0: That's very cool. That's very cool. So, okay. So you start building up that. So you go work for the magazines for five years and then, um, and then you decide, were you still doing anything with the tie downs at that time? Or were you just, just focused on the magazine?
1: Yeah, I actually started the business and then within about six months got hired by street Rodder. but I had enough business going on within that short first six months, including landing featherlight trailers as a commercial account
2: and a wow. few others
1: that still serve today that I told the guys at street Rodder that I would I would accept the job. However, I wasn't just going to shut down my little fledgling business. So after five years and many sleepless nights with earplugs living in a converted warehouse or wear home as I'd like to call it, I decided that I had had my fill of Orange County and not being not being a California guy to begin with, I longed to get back to the Northwest with a, uh, a lot of knowledge that I had learned in my tenure there at Street Rotter and decided if I was going to... Uh, Work this hard. I was going to try to do it for myself and see what I could make of it.
0: Well, and that's awesome. So now, you know, we we recently had uh Steve Sasaki with Power Tank, and he invented that category. And then, although you didn't invent the category of of straps, you, were you the first um company to do a, a, a quality, good looking aftermarket straps for 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 enthusiasts?
1: Well. I don't, I don't like to take credit for being the first. There, there was another company that was dabbling in it at the time out of New Jersey. They've since gone away. Uh, we both started approximately the same time, so I don't want to take credit for being, for being the first, but we're the ones that remain 26 years later, and those other guys have uh, come and gone.
0: So you were the best is what you're saying. Absolutely, <laughs> nice. And was the blue was blue always the iconic color?
1: Uh, yeah, blue and black actually are kind of neck and neck for popularity for us. Mm-hmm. We have, I think, seven colors on our on our large automotive tie down webbing, but blue and black um, are definitely the the leaders in popularity. That's an interesting aside. I I did a very painful rebranding exercise about seven years ago now, and and hired. Ironically, the same guy that came up with a Monster Energy logo and and name for Hanson's Beverage way back. And uh, he took a look at some shots from the Hot August Nights in Reno with our old branding, and I asked him for his honest feedback, and I'll never forget his words. He said, it looks like a clown threw up on it. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. From McLean Design. (laughs) Uh, But what he was referring to is the fact that we always felt compelled to display all of our products and all of our colors and it created a visual camouflage, in his words, mm. where things get lost because they're not crisply defined and, and while you're, you're showing all these various colors, it, it creates that camouflage which is a deterrent rather than a, than a brand builder. Right, right, yeah, well that makes so, sense. You know, we, we tend to sell what we show so if we display something in blue, blue tends to be the color that sells. And, and that, I think, would be the case regardless of what we put on display, at least at the event.
0: Right. See, I didn't know you had all the different color options.
1: There you go. When I first met Colin, which was a
3: number of years ago, at an Easter Jeep Safari show in Moab, Utah, I'll never forget. He and his brother uh, had a had a very well uh, – the, the booth space was immaculate. And – For somebody who sells, you know, I'm gonna dumb it down. Somebody sells some straps. Like it was just so well done, you wanted to buy their straps, whether you even had anything to tie down.
2: Mm. But
3: I'll never forget because of my, I don't know what it is, my infatuation with the yellow color. I asked, I I met Colin, and he didn't know who I was. I I was nobody. I was just an enthusiast, and I said, yeah, you know, I'd I'd like some. I'd like to buy some of your straps, and I'd really like them in yellow. And I'll never forget the the kind of that grimace look on his face, like, Ugh,
2: "You, no. yeah." <laughs>
1: well, it's not because Corey likes the color yellow. Unfortunately, in in the tie down industry, yellow goes hand in hand with all the cheap, generic garbage that you can buy anywhere.
2: Mm-hmm
0: which reminds me of the comment you made once when you walked by one of our booths and wondered why the hell we were using the one inch, uh, home Depot, a uh, glow day, orange <laughs> strap. That
3: uh, <I> <laughs> <laughs> was Colin who let me know that, um, our booth on the side of the road in Moab at that point, we had these nice canopies and, and yeah, we're using rocks and, and some some neon orange or something that you know we picked a four pack up of and he said you know I actually make some uh, really nice tie downs that make that look a lot better and of course it, early on i didn't know all of the different products that max made and uh you know when i, I my first uh, aluminum enclosed trailer my atc when i bought it uh colin was the first guy that i called and he said well, yeah, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I really don't know. And he said, oh, well, let's start with, you know, do you want to put things on the walls and do you want to, and I, I'm thinking to myself, I thought you just held cars to the floor of a trailer. No, no, no. <laughs> so much more.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. We often get,
1: We often get pigeonholed into that, you know, just being the strap guys, but we really have far more to offer than just that. Our adjustable tie-down track is used by many trailer manufacturers, exhibit builders, OEM equipment guys. Uh, we do some aerospace. We do some military. We do some marine. Um, and that, that makes it interesting as well. We've got some ongoing commercial work that we do, even in the pharmaceutical business. And uh, that diversity is fantastic. Um, even though the automotive space is my personal love, it's not all that we do
0: right right well heck you even have a cargo box on your website
1: yeah we've got a box that i developed when i had my four-door jk and that that continues to be worthwhile today um probably should buy a jl just to develop a new box but now that's (laughs) almost past this point point. Well,
3: and i just uh did a story so i have one of one of collins black boxes what they used to be called um he's since changed the name of that box it's no longer the on the website it doesn't say black box anymore. Says, yeah. But my my dad, I use that as a show uh a show display vehicle for that cargo box that fits in the back of a four door JK very well. And uh when we take my dad's Jeep to shows, you know that was that was a really nice display piece. So just recently I decided to see if it would fit in the back of the L J. And mm. you know what? It fits right in the back of the L J. Yeah you are on your own as far as how you attach to the floor but if you look at modernjeeper.com uh it's probably a story i put up about a week ago there's all kinds of pictures and uh, of that cargo box in the back of my lj
1: oh great this is going to develop be, good. A good one. <laughs> yeah.
0: be prepared Here. for the phone calls
2: oh man <laughs> right
0: now <laughs> <laughs> So, well, speaking of website, so, uh, I, you know, when people are listening to this, it's going to be a little different, but I'm right now, because we're recording this on Tuesday, and on Tuesday, I'm looking at your site and going, uh, man, that's kind of like, so it's, it's so 1990s. <laughs> but you've got a little announcement, like when, when's when's the, the, the change happening?
1: Well, in theory, it's going to happen tomorrow afternoon. We've, uh, oh man, that's a, this this website undertaking has been almost as painful as the rebranding I mentioned, but long overdue. And the web for me is my favorite part of the business. Mm. Uh, unlike a lot of businesses in our in our automotive space, um, the website for us is just another vehicle. It's not all that we do. Where we still staff the phone lines. Um, you know, we answer calls. We help customers. We have a published phone number. We tell them where we're located. We're not trying to be uh, hidden like so many of today's businesses that don't even, they don't even want to give you a phone number to call. Right. Uh, so we're very traditional in that regard, but to answer your question, uh, if all goes well, our new website will launch
0: tomorrow, Wednesday. Wow. So by the time you guys all hear this Thursday morning, you should be able to check out uh, max custom and see the new site. If the new site is not up, recognize that the undertaking of putting on a new website is not an easy one. I have done it many times over here. I currently, We currently have, what, three sites that we're managing on top of of uh, Modern Jeep and everything else, and that whole design and stuff. So I, I totally understand, especially when you're doing a complete rebanding, a complete redesign. I assume you're doing it on a whole new back end, right?
1: Yes, yes, indeed. We're uh, using Shopify as a platform and hoping for the best.
0: Uh, Shopify is awesome though for, for customer service and for how the ease of use, it is a great platform. I tried to convince my guys when Shopify first came out and in, in, they were out like 2007 and 2009, we had to make a choice. And, um, and I wanted Shopify, but Shopify was a little too early, but I knew that they were a great company. Um, and, uh, we went Volusion instead until about two years ago when we changed over to Magento. But, um, but yeah, Shopify is great. So you're, it's if that all works out and everything gets set up, you're gonna, your customers are really gonna enjoy it. Here's hoping. So now looking at your website, because I am looking at the website, it reminds me of one of the other great things. Like we, were, I mentioned a little bit earlier about your need to get publicity, and I'm seeing the big image on the old site of the hanging Jeep. Tell us about that.
1: Well, it's kind of like uh, this around fifty club that that commercial by Superglue of the guy hanging on to the hard hat.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Boy, did that get, or any of the other iconic, you know, I'll call them television and magazine ads from our youth uh, that, that just still have a lot of stick And I was trying to think of a way that we could really um, say, say with a vision, demonstrate the strength of our product without, Telling a story, Uh, we could tell the story visually, and that's what led to the construction of a trailer and the rather risky display on the main drag in Moab during our nation's largest Jeep event,
2: Mm -hmm. where
1: I not not a rental Jeep, mind you, but a prized possession of my own that I had more than a dollar (laughs) ninety (laughs) eight in. Yeah, so that that um, I try to make it. A policy that I never do anything in public that I have not first practiced in private Um, but there was very little practice for that go-around fortunately it all worked well and the the punks of Moab resisted shooting the uh, synthetic sling that kept the trailer connected to the crane which is actually my biggest fear is that in the middle of the night somebody would decide that would be fun to drop that Jeep out of the sky because as you recall We left that Jeep there all week long hanging from that crane. I lowered it about midweek just to check out everything, and it was on the ground for about, I don't know, a half an hour while I looked everything over, and back up in the air it went. And what was very interesting about that particular year, as you recall, we did not have a booth there at the crane site. Our booth was at Spanish Trail like it always is with the rest of you, and yet our sales just skyrocketed, and yet our booth was the same. But we had hmm. this component in town of that Jeep hanging in the air that that really got got the brand noticed. We were on the front page of the paper the following morning. Uh, that was pretty cool. We need to need to think of round two here one of these years. But I'm not going to hang a 42,000 pound motorhome in the air. Trust me on that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> so that was incredible, and I, not, I don't need to get the specifics, but you would easily say that the that the benefits of that outweighed the cost of doing it.
1: Yeah, you know the. I distinctly remember the fire chief coming out. That was the first year that the city of Moab was. They had a uh, permit fee. It was very nominal, but um, the fire chief had to come out and and take a look at at the booth space and what you intended to do. And I only had my rental fencing up at the time. The Jeep wasn't present. The crane wasn't present, and it was right outside of uh, Steve Nance's shop. Uh, Moab 4x4 outpost. Mm-hmm. So the fire chief shows up, and there's just a bunch of rental fencing in a pile. And he said, well, what, what are you going to do here? And I said, we're going to show people the proper way to keep a Jeep on a trailer. And he said, is that it? I said, yep, that's it. So he signed the permit and went away.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish I could when he read the front page of his own newspaper the following day but at that point it was too late
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't come back visiting and say hmm i want to check this thing out in person so the oh, yeah. the the straps from the crane to the tr- to the uh to the trailer those were just standard you know um uh synthetic lines for um the use for construction or any sort of work for the trailer right those were not your products or were those your products too
1: that was our product as well. So that
0: was Jeep your product was as well. Wow. Yeah. So every bit of ever- that is depending on, on the quality of your products to, to show. One, it's being hung by that. Two, the, the Jeep is – the coolest thing about it was that the Jeep was being held on by the wheel straps, not by the usual you know, front and rear straps that we do, but by the wheel straps. I mean, everything was uh, – that was just – that had to really boost sales of that product.
1: Yeah, and that, that product, the, the tire nets are, that still remains a flagship product for us today. I don't know of another manufacturer that, uh, build nets to fit a specific tire size. Everyone else, and they're probably wise for doing so, they just address it in a very generic level and, and supply you something that's close that they hope works. And there's so many different factors to consider when you build a tire net. Uh, for instance, if you had a 37, 13, 50, 17 tire on an 8-inch wide wheel, it's going to fit dramatically different than that same tire on a 12-inch wheel, but yet the tire's the same, but the dimensions become different. And so what we do to make a tire net fit properly is we first gather the dimensions from the customer, but then we physically mock it up on a tire that matches the dimensions provided by the customer. So Mm. it's literally it would be like ordering a custom tailored suit to fit your body instead of going to the men's warehouse and picking a double extra large or a forty six long off the rack.
0: Wow. Okay. So for everybody, get just get an idea what we're talking about here. Just Google Mac tie downs hanging Jeep, um, and that way you actually get a picture because there is plenty of those images out there, including the the entire process and the video on the YouTube page. But just get an idea that this is. Just imagine being like being Colin, who's going to do this little, this thing, total confidence in your product, but knowing that at any one time, anything could go wrong, right? Like how many times do you double check your triple checks on just doing the straps <laughs> just to make sure that, that nothing was missed. And, uh, and, and just, just the idea that you're taking that kind of risk and taking your prize possession, taking it and And knowing that not only is it a vehicle that could, that could be damaged, but if something did happen, your reputation would just be destroyed for a period of time. I mean, it it was, I'm glad it paid off, but wow, what, what a set of cojones to just to do that, to try that out.
1: Well, when we actually repeated something similar a few years later, I built a 35 Ford pickup for my dad's 80th birthday. And uh, you had mentioned the rotisserie earlier, perhaps before the, the podcast began, but we have an, an apparatus that we built and use around the country on a normal year uh, that, that turns a vehicle door over door like a pig on a spit. Mm-hmm. And so I had this beautifully redone 35 Ford pickup, never even turned a key in the truck until we uh, flipped it over for the very first time on the floor at Scottsdale Barrett-Jackson. And, uh, so there we go again with the confidence in our products, uh, to, to show it off in a public setting. And, uh, yeah, it, it certainly does take some confidence, but, um, that's just the level of quality of products that we produce. And I would gladly invite any of our competitors to put their money where their mouth is and try something. But for some reason, we've never seen anything even close from any of our competition out there.
0: Well, I remember... I remember uh, we were we were talking at uh, Koh one year, and I think it was, gosh, it must have been like fifteen or six, uh, late fifteen or, or maybe it was sixteen, heading into the year talking about um, about the CTI tour that Corey was doing, and we um, we. You mentioned it, you mentioned that that was kind of your next thing, you were going to build this uh, rotisserie and I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting and see if it actually, you know, what it will look like and actually happens and all of a sudden I start seeing images pop up. What year did that go live? What year did you first start using that rotisserie?
1: I think it was, um, it'll be four years ago in January because it was my dad's 80th birthday and he will be 84 in January. So yes, January will be four years ago that we did
0: that. That's awesome. And again, taking that idea and and pushing it and creating something that is just wildly different than anybody else would even possibly try to do with their products. I mean, that that's that's just awesome. Um, that's well, probably one of, the, remember, one
3: of the- for our listeners out there. Since I've been uh, pulling a jeep around the country for the last what has it been five and a half or six years? I've never uh, held down any of our rigs on the CTI trailers. I travel across the country with anything but max products so i won't i won't use anything else because i don't want to have to worry about it
0: yeah I mean we got five bags of max tie downs here you know for any time we need them on them and that's that's the thing to do you grab those and put on there now being that i was uh navy air cargo like i did a lot of straps and one of the things i noticed about your straps um and this may be a fairly common thing but in, in my experience it isn't your actual hooks and your ratchet mechanisms are like you know they're at. I, I can just say military grade. I mean they are they are essentially the same systems I was using to strap down cargo onto pallets um, that are going in the back of airplanes and have to fly across the country. Um, you know the, the the ratcheting systems itself and the, and the and the hooks themselves. Everything else is different and better. I had you know when you're talking about like pale yellow pieces that are way too long and you have to do a lot of wrapping up just to make the thing (laughs) not flop around. But your hardware has always seemed to be top-notch.
1: Yeah, we spend a lot of time uh, improving and coming up with new and different methods. We've got a couple of very exciting products that will launch before the end of this calendar year as well. So stay tuned for that. Focus has been on the website, but uh, those will launch. Very, very excited about that. Uh, one of the things that makes us different as well, uh, beyond the hardware is the fact that all of the sewing and all of the machining is done in-house. Oh, wow. That gives us the ability, for instance, like the tire nets that I mentioned, if, if we relied on outside sources to do that, not only would they be very expensive, but the lead times would be just absurd. So that's one of the things that, that really, uh, helps us serve our customer well is the fact that we do all of this in-house there is not a day that goes by that we don't ship priority and i would say almost on a daily basis we have a customer that's willing to pay more for the freight than the product itself wow Uh, which is great Uh, but it's a constant shuffle uh in in production to it's kind of like the the, the highest and hottest burning fire gets the attention, right? We get that customer that, that truly is in a panic uh, to, to get something. And, you know, we, we drop ship to racetracks. We drop ship to hotel rooms and car builders and you name it. We do whatever it takes to take to take care of that customer. Wow.
0: That's awesome. So now this is a show by Jeeps. So we were talking about some more Jeep stuff, but let's talk about your Jeep. So what was your first Jeep?
1: First Jeep was an FJ40, and that's not a Jeep. <laughs> um, i'm, I'm actually, actually this is this
0: with, this is modern jeeper confessionals with <laughs> calling from with, mac tie downs oh,
1: oh uh, yeah that that's a true story my first jeep was not a jeep um uh, but i've seemingly always had at least one four-wheel drive kicking around and now i'm actually i'm down to just one jeep in my life um which is just an old an old cj with an aqualoo body on it it was originally built by rockworks in montrose colorado in about 2006. Um, it's got the venerable ls power plant and yes i'm a ford guy uh, 4l 60 trans atlas uh, curry rock jocks front and rear and it's just a it's just a great dependable jeep that uh that's still titled as a jeep so i've got a license plate on it and i run it around on occasion but um uh, i'm kind of at the point now where i'm beginning to formulate what i want to do next for a jeep and i'm a little uncertain of that i like the gladiators but i can't quite bring myself to spending that kind of money for something that i know will earn some scars on the trail mm. uh, and i that's what I appreciate about my CJ is that I don't have to park it in the corner of the parking lot. I don't have to be overly concerned about it. You know, even like I was with the black Jeep that we did the crane stunt with, and that was a pretty nice Jeep. And there were places that I took it with a kind of cringe. I remember one uh, sun bonnet at KOH. That was no place for a full width <laughs> no. four-door JK. No. Came out of there with a couple of guns. But uh, so I I do appreciate the wash and wear nature of just a good old rock crawler. But um, you know, for product development and marketing, I think we probably need a newer platform. One of these, one of these next months, I might say.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting because we use we use the axle wraps. Obviously, um, when we do ours out here, we love the axle wraps. We love the little even the even the little velcro straps to strap down the the extra um length you have of the strap itself those little velcro piece that lot of those stuff those little things like that just make it all seem like it's a complete kit that is that somebody who designed the kit knows what the hell uh you're going through right <laughs> right yeah. um so when all these different industries you're in whether it's it's um, drag racing or hot rods or all that type of stuff like i was looking at your drag drag racing kits like were you into that or, or who, who developed that kit? And was it was just talking to, to guys out there like we need this and it needs to kind of be like this for it to help us out. Or how did you get into that that industry? And how do you figure out with your customers like what they need to best meet their needs?
1: Well, we we always try to to really listen to our customers. Uh, and honestly, a number of our products have come to market because of enough customer requests to do so. So we never discount that. Um, You know, there are there are plenty of suggestions that come out of a customer's mouth that we that we do politely put on the back burner. But if we if we hear a a repeated request, we really pay attention to that. Um, I know myself far too well and I don't race. And the reason I don't race is if I did, I'd have to give up so many of my other passions to pursue racing of any kind properly. you know whether it be drag racing or, or ultra four or competitive rock crawling or land speed any form i would have to give up so much of my other interests and i guess i'm i'm a bit selfish i don't want to do that so i've intentionally stayed away from from competition in that regard um
0: don't forgive all the money you'd have to give up too
1: <laughs> uh, uh, well <laughs> Yeah, there's no form of racing that's cheap. I mean, I remember Uh when kids start racing used to be affordable and that, that was short lived. (laughs) So I think more than anything, Mattson, it's just, it's paying attention to, to what the customers need. And like when we attend an event, one of, one of our goals, one of the things that we make sure and, and accomplish is getting around and visiting with our customers and making sure that the products that they are using are working like they should. And we want to hear the good and the bad. If if somebody's got a complaint, I want to hear it. Because if we're not knowledgeable of it, there's nothing we can ever do to improve upon it. So uh, at a typical drag event, you'll find me in the pits talking to customers. Um, And a lot of great ideas have come from that. And so I think if we pay attention, we can adequately serve different markets without necessarily being intimately involved on a personal level with those markets.
0: That's awesome. Now, just going out of events, like I know, you know, Corey alone travels to not obviously 2020 has been weird, but normally to to dozens and dozens of events across the country just for the off-road world, but you're going to every possible motorsports event you can go to. So how many events do you do in a year?
1: We had 25 on the books for this calendar year, and we got through three of them before, um, yeah, this word COVID surfaced. Mm. So, uh, but we're we're here today at at Trail Hero and and thrilled to be back out. Uh, this is a a taste of normalcy for me, and I I'm loving it.
0: So, do you follow like the drag racing circuit then, or do you have other people that are out there doing stuff? Or are you now at the point where you don't have to be on the ground at every uh, hot rod car car show or every every NHRA event?
1: Yeah, I can't possibly do it all myself. We've got a great team of people. Uh, we've got some some strong resellers as well that that do their part in campaigning mm. the brand and the product. Uh, we have been an NHRA contingency sponsor in years past. Um, we are involved with some different sanctioning bodies in racing. Um, it'll be interesting to see where all of this heads. I think it's anyone's guess at this point, but <laughs> right. I've always said that it's very, very difficult to strip someone of their passion, whatever their passion is. And that's the great part about this industry is we've all had to go about it differently this year, but we're not going to give it up. And it may be different, but it still exists. And who
0: who knows what 2020 is going to be like. I just got an email from Bo over at TDS saying, hey, they're looking at doing a virtual event next year. They have no plans on, on being boots on the ground. Uh, in 2021 for Tierra del Sol, which is is a shame, but um, you know, kind of hoping that 2021 gets back to normal, so we can all go back to to playing our our games and getting out and, and saying hi and and uh, and wheeling a bit. Yeah, for sure.
3: You know, I was just I just had a thought and uh, something that crossed my mind while 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 Colin was talking. Um, you know, all of all of the folks that we've had on the show as far as the entrepreneurial side of the off-road industry goes, you know, it was probably, I don't know, it was a lot of years ago, maybe 10 years ago when I was still working on, on building spike and uh, I'd always hauled spike around the country on a trailer. And I always, I remember thinking to myself how beneficial it would be. I said, the next Jeep I'm going to build, I'm just going to put some, some mounts on the axle tubes so that I could use a regular hook, even Mm. the cheap, you know, the cheap, Uh, little claw hooks that you see that are totally open and unsafe but i always thought it would be so much easier to do that and you know here 10 years later um and, and again another another little video we put up on the on the modern jeeper page was me loading the lj on the cti trailer and using max tie downs the weld on tabs axle tabs and how much easier and quicker but it's interesting to me what 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 occurred to me is that i did nothing about it to solve my own problem but what the entrepreneur does what the real business the guy who takes advantage of a need he actually solves that problem for me and it was it took it, it took max making those axle tabs for me to weld them on the axles and solve my problem that was something that i thought about 10 years ago i just did nothing about so I just I don't know. Kudos to the folks that
0: solve my needs. Uh, <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yeah. That's it, true. It, it is true. I mean, there there are you know many many people who have many who will go go. Man, I thought about that. Right. Six pack shocks come out. Oh man, we were trying to do something like that with a couple of shocks, you know, and and a couple of a couple of brackets. And it, it's it is interesting when you do that because you're right. It's the entrepreneur who goes. I'm going to solve a problem. I can do it better. And here it is. Next thing you know, twenty six years later, Max Tie Downs is is the name in straps. That's
1: right. That's right. Well, and that's that's been our goal all along, Mattson. I mean, when if I say coffee, what, what brand do you come up with?
0: Well, for me it's my initials are MJB, so oh. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously we think Starbucks these days. Okay. Or Maxwell I, House I, comes ahead too. Okay, I'm going to say beer. What's the brand? Uh, oh, come on. I hate it, but bud.
1: Okay, if I say shoes, what's the brand?
0: Uh, do I have to wear them? <laughs> <laughs> Nike, but I hate that brand too. Well, but you get my point, right? There right, are, right. Copiers are, is Xerox, right? Yeah, computers is right. IBM. It just keeps going on and on.
1: That's right. So it's it's my... It's my desire to someday have that, to be that brand that, that resonates with people. When, when you say tie downs, you think max.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. That's awesome. Now, now talking back about Jeeps and let's talk about Jeeping and going off-roading. Just a few of the like questions we like to to share with our listeners is like, what is your favorite trail?
1: Oh boy. (laughs) Um, You have to put me on the spot like that. Absolutely.
0: that's the fun part.
1: You know i i've got I've got several favorite trails. Um, when I guess when you say trails, I immediately think Moab, and I live in the northern tip of Idaho, so you know, we've got some some pretty
0: good wheeling up there too. Um, I was wondering about that Segal, Idaho. It's Segal, right? It's not Sagal, something yeah. fancy like Seglee. No, Segal. <laughs> no. No. So Segal, which what's it I will go ahead and answer the other question but then I'm going to go into like what is Segal Idaho like that is that's that's just way up there I'm not going to share it's it's right secret it's a secret place nobody should
3: go there Yeah.
0: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right you're already getting the Idaho I, I have friends buying property in Coeur so yep. that's as far north as you want them to go right
1: uh yeah that's fine that's still 45 minutes south of me that's great <laughs> 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 um
0: Although you're probably going to get the you're going to get the mass exodus from Washington and Seattle now.
1: Well, there's plenty of that. They're they're uh, yeah. Don't get me started on politics, please. <laughs> or... <laughs>
0: no politics. So anyway, answer the question. So back to trails. What what's your favorite trail?
1: I don't know that I have a single favorite. I like different trails for different reasons. Mm. Uh, some of them are memories. Um, I went to Moab for the first time in the back of an FJ40 at the age of eight. Wow. Um, so when I go on trails that I remember as a kid with my parents in Moab, you know, regardless of the name of the trail, it, it brings back memories for me. I mean, Moab had one blinking light and the Greenwater Inn was like the only hotel in town. So, <laughs> you know, a, a trail like Cane Creek, for instance, is is not hard it's got a couple of moderate sections but it's diverse and fun and you can make a you know you can go through it quickly or you can take all day uh moab rim you know hanging out over the colorado coming back down you you better pay attention but the views are spectacular you know looking back toward the city looking down toward the river i know we're concentrating on moab here but i don't uh I think that's the beautiful thing about this this hobby, uh, is that there's always something new around the next corner and I don't I don't wanna be forced to to
0: have a favorite trail.
1: Thank <laughs> you very much, Matt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you know, the best answer we've ever had when I've asked that question was from Ian Johnson. remember what he said, Corey?
3: Yeah, I think didn't he say something about like the the, the trail that I'm gonna do
1: Tomorrow or something. Yeah, like that. the trail that I'm
0: on. My favorite trail <laughs> is the trail that I'm on.
1: That's a, that's a great. That's a great reply. I'll I'll second that, Ian.
0: Fantastic. So, but what's what is wheeling like in Idaho?
1: Well, if you look at the map, you'd think that the wheeling has got to be spectacular with our amount of forest land that we have. But unfortunately, um, there's a lot of private forest land in Idaho, and like in many parts of our country. Um, there's been a number of trail closures. There's been a, a few that ruin it for all. Typical story there. Um, mm. To be honest with you, most of my time off-roading in Idaho, or at least around home, is on two wheels, not four. Ah. Uh, the Idaho backcountry discovery route is amazing. I had a great summertime trip uh, exploring a lot of that when we went from Sun Valley in the southern part of the state. Started there. Came up to Segal and turned around and went back, but on two distinctively different routes. Uh, that was an amazing trip, and so for me, it's a lot about the the exploration, more so than the, I guess, the hardcore nature of, of four wheeling, which I think I've done a, a fair amount of. Uh, but my interests change over time as well. You know, I've just been, I'm I'm sitting in a 45 foot motorhome, and lately I can't get a sprinter build out of my head so uh, yeah, things like that um but i think that's the, the spice of life for me is the variety and and changing things up i mean i didn't drive my 40 ford at all it sat on the lift all summer and yet i love the car right and why is that well i i was off dirt biking this summer right Very so cool. the, the variety for me is a big part of it and and switching things up and it's experiencing different things in different areas in in different vehicles is is a lot of the enjoyment that I get.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Corey, I was thinking about Tech Tip, and we've had this discussion before, but since we actually had the man, the myth, the legend here, you want to talk about the proper use of a strap?
3: Absolutely. And I know we'll probably generate all kinds of comments and people saying, you know what, I've done it this way forever and it works for me. And and uh, you know what, if somebody has something that they do and it works for them, I totally understand that. Not trying to take away from, from people's own personal experiences with things. I know people that are in the recovery business and they, they do things not as I would. And and my buddy, Price, that I've done some off-road recovery with um, with him over the years, he even tells me, I know that this isn't a problem probably the way Colin would want me to do it it, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it works for him. So yes, I, I think that it's a, a good time, you know, over the years, I've had multiple different open trailers. I've had my enclosed trailer and traveling a lot of miles on some really poor roads. Um, I've always been challenged with straps,
2: loosening,
3: um, even, even, tie-down points, being ripped off trailers that were not welded correctly, um, all of those things. And when we first set up the CTI trailer, I knew that there were some changes that we wanted to make and and ways we wanted to do things. Um, I guess I'm I'm really just beating around the bush here because what I'm going to say is don't cross the straps. And that's (laughs) really what it comes down to. and, And people, I know that everybody has an opinion and we're we're gonna I'm gonna throw it to Colin and say okay what's the deal?
0: Yeah, because Colin, you you you, <laughs> you came out with that video and uh, and 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 obviously I had my own opinion on it, but talk to us about it. Talk, tell tell us the reason why.
1: So the the topic is to cross or not to cross your straps. There's I'll cover that. But there's a couple other points I'd like to throw out there. Absolutely. Um, actually, I want to I want to give some kudos here to Matt over at and Jeep. He did a he did a video recently of a I don't know it was a little kid toy Jeep and he <laughs> he he did a very good uh, visual explanation of why not to cross your straps uh, and I thought it was it was pretty compelling and put it in a very elementary uh, easily understood way uh, presentation uh, but we say that there are three main reasons why not across your straps the first one is assuming you have a solid axle car um, unless you start out right in the middle at the differential point those straps are constantly if they're crossed they are constantly trying to migrate across the axle tubes uh, pulling toward one another and in doing so something eventually stops that migration and it's most often a bracket that is sharp and leads to early failure of a strap. Um, you know, we can we can have a recovery strap, for instance, that's rated at 37,000 pounds, and you put a little tension on that with your sharp pocket knife, you can slice right through it. But yet, it's rated at 37,000 pounds, or mm-hmm. 67,000, or whatever. My point is that abrasion is a killer to straps. So number one reason, don't cross them because they're they're constantly trying to migrate inward something's going to stop that migration and it's not likely to be friendly to the strap. Um, Reason number two, we like to think that uh, we want to have the the vehicle tied down and and some redundancy factored in there. And if the straps are crossed and you have a problem with any one assembly, the other assembly is trying to then pull the vehicle sideways off of the trailer or in the case of an enclosed trailer, into the sidewall. And neither neither of those results is very good. Um, so that's reason number two, that if there's an issue with one assembly, the other one is trying to pull the vehicle sideways. Uh, reason number three, if the straps are crossed, and I'm speaking primarily of straps on the rear of the car in this case, nine times out of 10, the situation is a sudden swerve, grenading the brakes, or worse yet an impact and the vehicle on the trailer is trying to travel forward if the straps are straight and properly tensioned and connected properly good good you know hardware connections to the deck of your trailer as well as the vehicle itself they are prepared to do their job instantly if they're crossed if you can imagine this for a moment the more extreme the x or the cross the more they actually have to straighten before they can begin to do their job. If they start out well positioned and running front to rear, they're already prepared to go to work. And so that's reason number three: is uh, they're they're prepared to go to work if they're if they're straight. Now we will always that will always be the probably the the number one debated subject in automotive transportation. And we realize that it'll go on for as long as time does. If the issue is that your car tends to migrate sideways while you're traveling, and you open the door of your enclosed trailer only to find your your Jeep, your Corvette, whatever it might be up against the sidewall, we have other ways of stopping that migration of the vehicle without crossing your straps. And I don't mind seeing a redundant strap used in an X formation. That's fine, but let's not make it the primary one. Uh, much like a, you know, a vehicle that's, that's very loosely sprung that tends to be a little topsy turvy, um, it's perfectly fine to preload that suspension a little bit to take that toss out of it. But I don't like to see a, an off road car drawn down by its suspension either. Uh, there's, there's reasons why we don't like to see that. So our preference on an off road car Jeep is, Around the differential housings and going straight forward and straight back to the trailer deck, putting that car in neutral position aboard the trailer.
0: So the reason I was like when I first saw that, Corey was now talking like, "Yeah, whatever," is because in Navy cargo we were always taught to have one side straight and the other side crossed, right? And when doing vehicles on platforms, whatever. And of course, you know, it's just Navy air cargo, so you know we just we we say yes sir or whatever sir or, that's the standard that's what the manual says the manual might have been written in 1952 but damn well that's what the manual says but right. it's but it so i was very much like into that's <laughs> been my style having you explain it there with those three points every single one of those points makes sense to me
1: well yeah and here's the here's the reality matt and we know we know full well that we sell equipment every day that is employed in, in different ways than than we would use it. So um, we can put the equipment in your hands, but ultimately it's up to you to, to employ it wisely and, uh, you know, ensure that it does the job well. It's no that, different than... That, so
0: that's, that's, a part, disclaimer, you know? that's a disclaimer on every one of our websites, right?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: So you had you said there were some other points you wanted to make besides the uh, the cross no cross argument.
1: Yes, um, one of them is that we want each assembly to be hand to be able to handle roughly three times the vehicle's static weight. Uh, if you got a three thousand pound car, you need a nine thousand pound assembly. And one of the common mistakes is to say. Oh, a 5,000-pound strap works straight. My car weighs 5,000. That's perfect. Well, we're talking a different static load and a dynamic load, and there's a great, great difference between the two. Um, much like the $5 garage sale motorcycle helmet, it'll work just fine until it doesn't.
2: Okay.
1: Same thing with tie-down gear. You can buy the cheap junk. You can buy the underrated stuff. You can buy the used, the garage sale items, the no-name brands, all of that. And it'll probably work just fine until you really need it to work, and that's where the uh, the good product stands out from the bad. So take that into consideration uh, when you're shopping, regardless of the brand, is have an assembly that's that's close to three times or as close as you can to it, the vehicle's static weight, and also double check the. The anchor point, the D-ring installation that the trailer manufacturer did, most trailers today are mass-produced. Uh, they're in a race to the bottom. Very few trailer companies have really got their eye on the ball for quality. And believe me, in all the years of doing this, I've seen some horrid factory-installed tie-down gear brand new in a trailer. So double-check. Take take 30 seconds and slide underneath that trailer and make sure they just haven't dropped through the three quarter inch plywood floor with four bolts. Let's mm. make sure there's a packing plate. Make sure there's good hardware. Uh, we see that constantly, even straight from the factory. Um, so that's a that's a big one as well. Um, what a,
0: what a good point. I, I, something I never even thought about. Oh, just and yeah. especially if you're borrowing somebody's trailer or the older the trailer is, yeah, check that out. I mean, you just you just never know. You just we hop on a trailer, you start strapping stuff down, start wrenching it in, and wow, I have no idea.
1: Yeah, and speaking of trailers, um, a few years ago, my brother joined me out at Moab, and he borrowed a neighbor's trailer, and I said, um, how old are the tires on that trailer you're borrowing? And he said, oh, they look brand new. I said, I, that wasn't my question. How old are they? Well, I don't know. They've got plenty of tread. That's still not an answer to my question. (laughs) He ignored ignored my warning, and they changed tires all the way across from Sacramento to Moab because while the tires looked great, they had sat in the sun, exposed to everything in the backyard of his neighbor's place, and they were junk, even though they had tons of tread left on them. So that's another really important thing, too. Uh, You know, something as simple as a blowout can lead to a major catastrophe. So take the time to look over your trailer, safety chains, you know, breakaway kits, breakaway cables. I see those dragging down the road constantly. Uh, and we offer, you know, telephone consultation and steerage all day, every day at MAX. It's part of what we do. So, uh, you know, most American males tend to have a little bit of difficulty asking for direction. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't be <laughs> Don't be afraid to ask those those questions. we're happy to to uh you know lend you some advice and you can do with it what you will
3: so the takeaway the when you have four straps that are rated at fifteen hundred pounds and your jeep only weighs five thousand pounds no, that's not okay. A strap that weighs fifteen hundred pounds you add all four of them up and you have you know six thousand pounds that that's not how this works. Um, people just need to be a little bit smarter and then think about how much they value that thing that they're trying to keep on that trailer. Um, and make sure it's done securely. Double check your straps. Even if even if they're only, you know, six months old, um, you catch something on a sharp obje- object, like, like mm. Colin said, you know, a little sharp, a little fray in a strap under a bunch of tension, that thing's going to come apart. So inspect your, your gear.
0: Absolutely. A little cut makes a big difference. You can... And when you're putting it tight enough, right, it's it's tight like a banjo string and and you put that tension on it. You need to have it there. Now, one thing I noticed and, and Colin, you can you can um, correct me on this. I found that straps when in doing the straps, if I if I pull all the slack out of my straps and then I start ratcheting them down, there's not enough material there to really keep it tight and they'll loosen up over time that you to put a little bit of slack into the line. And and we start ratcheting. So you get like, is there like a formula for how many wraps you want bef- to really get the, the tension uh, and make yes. sure that it's that it's that it's tightening on itself?
1: Yes, thank you very much. I'm glad we didn't end this call before covering that. When we get a call at Max and and the customer saying, "I need help. My my straps are loosening up." Um, any ratchet mechanism from any manufacturer, they all they all function. The same in terms of the only way they are the only way they do function is to physically roll the webbing back over onto itself. So if you don't have enough slack material that will allow you to wrap it back onto itself, it it will indeed get tight. But then as you're traveling, it's actually back feeding itself through the mandrel of the ratchet. And we've we've done a couple of videos that that show that actually happening in slow motion, pretty fascinating, but it's it's often overlooked. So the answer to your question is we say two to three wraps of material back over onto itself. And consequently, too many wraps lead to problems as well. I, the analogy I like to use is if you've ever wrapped Christmas ribbon around your finger, if you don't make each wrap tightly, You get all the ribbon consumed wrapping it around your finger well what happens when you pull that roll tight well suddenly you've got more ribbon to work with and you can do a few more laps around your finger right well same exact principle applies to the tie down webbing if you have too many wraps around the mandrel of the ratchet as you travel that core of webbing is tightening and thereby also producing slack so we're trying Mm. to hit that sweet spot between having enough for the ratchet handle to function but not too much where it produces slack and that sweet spot tends to be two to three complete wraps of material so when we get that call from the customer we suggest that they do two to three wraps and call us back if they continue to have difficulty we never hear from them again that's
0: all the problem why i did that happen to me a few times i'm like guys guys no no no." because we all sit there and we'll you know tighten it up and move all the slack and then start ratcheting it and i had to re-educate everybody because i did the testing myself because i was like man these things are coming loose like man what's wrong with these mac tie downs and it was like yeah it's the the problem is in the operator not in the product
1: (laughs) (laughs) there there is another situation that does occur with with substandard equipment and that is actually the stretch of the webbing Uh, on Mm. our automotive our automotive tie-down gear, the webbing that we utilize is polyester, not nylon. And the reason is twofold. Polyester stretches less than nylon, and it's more resistant and resilient to ultraviolet degradation, which is a killer. When you're not using your tie-downs, don't leave them on the deck of your trailer.
0: Or <laughs> in the back of the pickup.
1: Yes, exactly. Um you know, it's. Uh,
0: Store them properly. Located. Don't just throw them into the back of the bag.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's. Corey brought up the point of a damage strap. Always be on the lookout for that. But something that we do that I'm not aware anybody else in the industry does, and that is we offer rewebbing for your equipment, no matter its age. If oh, wow. it's a max pro you can send it to us and. For $2 a foot on a two inch wide assembly, we will reweb that. So 16 bucks on an eight foot tie down strap, our most popular length, we put all new webbing on it for you. And that's a money losing proposition for us, but it's part of what we do to serve the customer. Um, and in concert with that, we never force you to buy a complete assembly. If you tear up a running end or a fixed end or damage a hook, any one of those pieces can be replaced on its own without having to buy a complete new assembly another reason to buy the brand
0: that's awesome and how do you recommend people store like I know that over time uh you know and this is this is just going to be fairly obvious to most people but many people don't like the ratchets get harder and harder to move or because you left it out in the rain or it gets oxidized or something else gets in there like what is the, you know What is the the best way for people to take care of their ratchets and their straps so that they last a long time?
1: Mild detergent. Uh, the running ends are removable from the ratchet handle. That tabbed over end will indeed pass back through the slot in the ratchet handle. You can separate out the running end. Dunking them in a five-gallon bucket with a mild detergent works really well. I like simple green. Dilute it a bit. Don't use it full strength. It, it can be pretty corrosive um blow them out with compressed air get that dirt and grit out of the the, the ratchet mechanism itself and then just use a, a lightweight oil a three-in-one oil sewing machine oil wd-40 lps-1 anything like that's great um i had, i think cory may have been standing in my booth at koh this past year when i had a guy approach the booth and i could tell by the look on his face he wasn't very happy <laughs> and He he brought this duffel bag up and sort of threw it on the bench and proceeded to say you know that these things were substandard and he was having difficulty operating them and i said well let's take a look and i had half a dozen people standing around shopping so you know you really don't want to make a scene but as i started taking these items out of the bag i quickly realized that they had just been abused so i opened them up one by one and blew them out and put some w 40 on each side of the handle and operated them a little bit. And they were as good as new within seconds and folded them back up and gave the guy a new t-shirt and sent him on his way with his tail between his legs. And (laughs) I think he probably now takes much better care, but there wasn't anything actually wrong with them. They'd just been neglected.
0: Right. You know,
1: you run your engine without crankcase oil. It will pretty soon.
0: But how low can you get? How low can you get in oil before you're in trouble?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know,
0: th- this has been another great episode. Uh, thank you so much, Colin. Um, Corey, yeah, yeah, you, you have any follow-ups with Colin? Since so you're actually oh, sitting I, there, I mean, I, is there is the drinks already poured?
3: No, not yet. Not yet. We don't have any ice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh this has been great. Well, I'm I'm glad you guys are out there and about to have some fun and do some wheeling out there. Trail heroes in a fantastic event. Um, one of these days I'll make it out there. I, I haven't made it yet. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, this is the, yeah, this is the, yeah, this is the, uh, the modern jeeper confessional. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for, for being a part of the show. It is just, it's just awesome to be able to, to talk and get your history and, and learn what you did. Corey, anything else you want to add to him before we wrap this show up?
3: No, sir. I think we're good. Keyword.
0: Oh yeah, we need a keyword. Oh no? yeah, thank you, Jesse. The rock star. Well, maybe that's, what, rock- that's what the rock that's what keyword needs to be. Really oh, true. And
3: I gotta throw out for our listeners too, guys. There's not a swag bag every week. Yeah. So <laughs> thanks for all the emails um, from the last episode, and and uh, people are keeping track of the keywords each week. So that's awesome. But this week there is no swag bag. You don't have to send me the 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 keyword, but keep these keywords because there will be a bigger giveaway down the road. And I don't I can't think of a better keyword than Max.
0: Absolutely max keyword. Now, now I'm gonna put I'm gonna put call on the spot. (laughs) I'm gonna put call on the spot real quick. Hey, do you have some swag you want to donate to a winner for this episode?
3: Absolutely. I'm sure he can come up with something
0: absolutely Fantastic. So, so do you want to do it the same way that they email you, or which? What do you want to be? No, no, we're
3: not going to do a swag bag this week. But he will donate into the great grand prize that. We'll oh,
0: have. okay, okay. So nothing, no swag for this week, but for the big grand yeah. prize, we're going to have. Now it's not it's going to be more than. I'm sure we can get something from from Max. It's going to be like big and badass, and and very useful for all you guys out there. So, uh, Colin, thank you so much for being part of that.
3: I will have a chat with Colin and we'll come up with something for sure for the, for the grand prize
0: drawing. That's fantastic. So you guys got the keyword, uh, note that down. And remember if you don't have the other two, you got to go back to the last two episodes and get those down. Because as soon as we have all five together, that episode will tell you how we're going to choose the winner. We will choose the winner. We will have you on the podcast as the winner. And that's when we're going to tell everybody what you're actually going to win. That's right. (laughs) Talk about anticipation. I love it. <laughs> great. Well, hey, thank you so much. Have fun out there, guys. Uh, for all of our listeners, please take the time to go ahead and and uh, and give us a rating on whether it's Apple or Spotify or wherever you happen to listen to this great podcast. Give us a rating. Do a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want to do. Do you want to hear more about it? I got an email from somebody the other day saying, hey, when you guys are talking about Jeeps, Talk about the average build, not just the sixties and the and the big tires. Like talk about the build for the regular guys. So we'll do more of that. But we need your feedback, so tell us what you want to hear more. Do the reviews on on iTunes. The more reviews there are, the more people will actually listen to us, which is great for all of us. And uh, and tell us what you like. Send us emails. You can reach me at at mattsatmedicalook.com, Corey at medicalook.com, jesse at medicalook.com. Of course, you can find us at modernjeeper.com, where we have a bunch of great articles. Didn't even get a chance to talk about those today, but there's some great stuff up there, so check that all out. And if you have anything or you need anything, you know how to reach us. Well with that my friends, anything else you want to add, Corey? Nope. I think we're good. <laughs> Fantastic. Well then we will see you on the trails. Cheers. See ya. This podcast will self-destruct in five, four, three, two.